Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to see each one of you in the house of the Lord. The week before, people go off for Chinese New Year and some will stay behind. Just curious, how many of you are traveling this Chinese New Year? Just raise up your hand. Wow, so many of you. Huh? Have a good trip wherever you are going. And those who are, uh, uh, those who are uh, uh, having the whole of the Klang Valley for yourself, remember, next week our service is at 9 o'clock. Just one service, combined service at 9 o'clock. Come and be blessed even during the Chinese New Year. We do encourage you to really, really get into the one-minute witness. All right, it is a fantastic tool, you know, train you, equip you to be able to share the gospel in just one minute. You know, nowadays people are, everybody is just rushing here and there, but in that one minute, in the leave or in the uh, uh, hotel lobby or at the bus stop, you know, or with Uber driver, Grab driver, in just one minute, you can present the gospel. Isn't that fantastic? You know, you don't have to go into deep doctrines and all that, but in one, one minute. And if you can commit yourself even to that and be trained in that area, you know, the gospel can be presented in a very, very powerful way. So do really sign up. Praise the Lord. All right, our theme is on love, unstoppable love. And in the weeks and months to come, we are going to talk about the love of God which we have been talking already for January and February. And then we are going to talk about love in the family, the community, and also the world. So you already know even the emphasis that we are going to have even uh, the next uh, uh, 10 months or so. In Valentine's is just around the corner. I don't know how many of you do celebrate Valentine's. You know, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's not a religious duty per se, you know, but uh, it's a good emphasis that uh, we have on love. And so this morning, you know, I'm going to talk about love as you would have expected. But when we talk about love, all kinds of ideas come into our mind. You know, it's, love is it's, 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 it's common, yes, but it's kind of very hard to define, isn't it? It's very hard to explain. It's not so easy. We think that we love, but actually it can be so many other kinds of emotions that are at work here. So, you know, we have a very, very loose understanding of uh, what love is. So the husband can say to the wife and vice versa, you know, and say, I love you. Love towards a special person, yes. But at the same time, the wife can just go to the fridge and just bring out the chocolate and say, oh, I love chocolate. Is the love of a wife towards a husband the same as love for chocolates? Or somebody will just, oh, no, love the handphone so much, the new iPhone or Android phone, and say, I just love my handphone. Or some say, I love football. I love badminton. But all, the same word is used, love. But do we mean the same thing? We are confused at times. Just like two men were talking and they were talking about love. So one of them said, the younger one said, I think I have fallen in love three times. And his friend says, would you like to share? He says, yes, five years ago. I cared very deeply for this lady. I cared for her so much, I feel like I cannot live without her. And I must see her every day. Every waking moment, I will hang around her house. But the problem is, she doesn't feel that way and she wants to have nothing to do with me. Do you think that's love? The friend replied and said, no, that's not love. That is obsession. You have just been obsessed with her. Well, two years ago, I cared deeply for this very attractive, very gorgeous lady. She looked fantastic. She smelled so good. And every time I see her, I got these goosebumps all over my body. Do you think that is love? 
And the man and the friend says, no, that's not love. That is passion. Well, just last year, I went on a cruise and I met this lady. No, no, not me. It's still the story. Still the story. <laughs> the tree love. He said, not me, okay. <laughs> you all are. <laughs> still part of the story of these two men talking about love. <laughs> you all are so cute. <laughs> So the, 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 the friend continued to say, well, last year, you know, I went on a cruise and, and I met this lady, all right? And uh, we became friends and, and, and she's a good conversationalist. And, uh, you know, and uh, I just followed her around and every time I followed her around, you know, I felt something in my, churning in my stomach, like a pit in my stomach. I felt that kind of a feeling in my stomach. Do you think that is love? And the man says, no, that's not love. You were just seasick only. <laughs> so, so many times we think it's love. When actually it could be obsession, it could be passion, it could be you were just not well. <laughs> love. How do you define it? How do you understand it? The world uses it in such so many different ways. But what is true love? That's why this morning I'd like to share on love one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, love one another. Love one another. And as you would have known, that comes from the Bible itself, our theme verse, John 13 verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. John is known as the apostle of love. But he, he wasn't that way. He wasn't that loving man. It wasn't natural for him to love. But he learned how to love through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he grew in that love relationship. So much so that he became known as the apostle of love. Of all the gospel writers, of all the apostles, he was the one who emphasized on the importance of love. Tradition tells us that when he was old, and he could hardly move around and the disciples have to lift him up by his arms to move him around. And he will always go or still in, in the city of Ephesus, he would go around and tell the disciples, little children, love one another. They will carry him to another place and he would have the same message, little children, love one another. And the disciples were a little bit disturbed and said, and one day told, I asked him, John, don't you have any other message to share? You were with our Lord Jesus Christ. There were revelations that you have received. Share with us. Why is it that you just keep telling us, little children, love one another? That's all he said. And to that, John replied, it is the Lord's command. And if this is the only thing that you do, it is enough. If there's nothing else you do but accept this command, it is enough. Love one another. It is not just the message of John. Peter also knew about it. And he says, love one another deeply. First Peter 1.22. First Peter 4.8. Love each other deeply. And First John 3.11. This is the message you heard from the beginning. There's only one message. The message you heard from the beginning. We should love 
one another. This is actually what John calls the new commandment. It is the main thing. Love is the main thing. Love one another. Love matters most. For Colossians 3.14, love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. It is the most important thing in our life. And 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3, I like it in the Message Bible. Listen carefully. It is such a punchy way to put it. All right, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3, no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Wow. Wow. There's no better way to put it. You may have all the wealth, all the money in the world. You may be a celebrity. You may be very popular with people. But he says, without love, you are bankrupt. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am not a bankrupt. Amen. Hallelujah. As long as you have love, you are not a bankrupt. You will be the richest man, the richest woman in the world. Love, so very, very important. And it is put as a new command. A new command? What is this? We have known love. Love has existed from the beginning itself. So why is it that Jesus said, a new command I give unto you. What is so new about love? You see, it has already been in, in existence. The command to love was not new. Leviticus 19 verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. What is the second greatest commandment? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So love is not a new command. So what's so new that causes Jesus Christ to say, a new commandment I give to you? You see, the word new command appears only in the writings of John. John is the only one who uses the word a new command and it appears four times in the whole of the Bible. All of them used by the Apostle John. Here in John 13 verse 34 and also in his epistles. 1 John 1 7 and verse 8 and also 2 John 1 5. So what is so new? The term new does not mean it is different. But it is fresh. And I think that's why we need a fresh kind of love. Fresh in its depth, in its quality. Fresh in the pattern that is set for us. Leviticus 19 verse 18. It says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? As yourself. And yes, God knows that all of us, we love ourselves. We pamper ourselves. This morning, what did you do before the mirror? You were pampering yourself. Powder here, powder there, comb here, comb there. You know, and, and you love yourself. That's good. All right, nothing wrong with that. So the old command says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, as yourself. But the new command says, Thou shalt love one another, not as yourself anymore but as I have loved you. A new standard, a new pattern. No more that kind of a selfish, self-interest kind of a love, but it's raised up to a new level, new standard. The pattern we live by is a pattern that Christ has set for us. The power we live on is the power of Christ's love. It's not just yourself anymore. And so that's what is new in this command. And it says here, love one another. We have different interpretation of what this one another involves. Many times we are confined in our understanding and expression of love to one another. Yes, 
Oh, you know, when we hear this command, love one another, some of you say, oh, no problem. I love my friend. Sure, if they are your friends, you can love them, you know. And uh, some people are so lovable, some people are so nice to you, and it's easy to love these kind of people, isn't it? It's easy to love those who love you, those who, nice, who are nice to you, those who give you ampao, those who do good things for you, those who call you up for lunch and dinner and all those things. And great, it's good to have all these kind of people around. But is love one another confined to just this group of people? To the lovable? To those who can get along with you? Turn to your neighbor and ask, am I lovable? Come on. <laughs> what about those who are not so lovable? What about those who always say unkind things about you and to you? What about those who are snobbish? Perhaps even obnoxious. We tend to bully them. We tend to cast them aside. We tend to ignore them. But Jesus said, love one another. In the immediate context, of course, he's talking about the disciples. But it goes beyond that. Love one another. And by that, he meant keep on loving one another. It's not just a one-time act. Okay, I love you. Bang. That's it. Then no more connection. I don't care about you. No, he says keep on. Keep on doing it. Alright, it's in a present continu continu continuous tense. It is to be a continuous ongoing love. So love one another. Just one simple command in three words in the English language. But it's one of the hardest things to do in the world. Isn't it? It's one of the most difficult things to do. It'll be easier to just wear a Christian t-shirt and say, I love everybody. Or Jesus loves you. It'd be easier to wear a cross and declare your Christian faith. It'll be easier to say, I'll pray for you. Rather than sit down in love, listening, somebody pouring out their problems to you in their marriage. So how do you love when you don't feel loving? You don't have that feeling at all. How do you love a stranger? How do you love even a brother and sister in the church when you don't feel anything at all? It is just like that Sunday school kid who have heard from the Sunday school teacher who explained to her how God loves the whole world and how we must also love the world. And the teacher taught her that the world to begin, or, or rather the place to begin to love the whole world is in your own house, in your own home. That's where you begin to show love. So the student understood that. But when she was traveling home with her parents, and the brother in the car, she got into a quarrel and fight with the younger brother. And the parents were so displeased, you know, that until they, uh, she, uh, uh, the mother just disciplined the two of them. So that night when the child goes to sleep, before going into bed, she just prayed. And she said to God, God, it must be very difficult for you to love the whole world. There's only four of us in the family and I cannot love my brother. <laughs> only four of us and I already have problem loving. But to love the whole world, man, that's difficult. We know how difficult it is. Even sometimes between husband and wife, when the love feeling is no longer there, how do I keep loving? That's a problem, isn't it? How to love when you don't feel loving. The way to love is to love the Jesus way. Loving 
the way that He loves me. Some of you may remember that song, old song, very old song, The Way That He Loves. The Way That He Loves. In a good word, God's Word Bible, John 13, 34, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. That's the only way. The way that Jesus loves me. Another version says, as I have loved you, love one another. And the way that God has loved us has been shown and demonstrated. They do not have to figure out how did God love us. They don't have to try to speculate and, and, and figure out how did God love us. It's already very clear. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is and how God has loved us. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He has unconditionally loved us and accepted each one of us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love for us in these, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the key for us to love the way that He loves us is first of all to experience God's love. We have to experience it ourselves. God's love is not an abstract kind of a love. It is not just a love letter dropped down in a holy book to us and, and chucked to us and say, you read it for yourself. No. God expressed it, demonstrated it, and it is meant to be experienced by each and every one of us. You can experience the love of God. Jesus says, as I have loved you, I have already loved you. Experience it, receive it, and then only can you love one another. How true it is, you cannot give what you, don't, what you have not received. You cannot give what you do not have. How can I give something that I don't have? It's impossible. But Jesus says, as I have loved you, you experience that love, it will change your entire life. First John 4, 9, 4, 19, we love because God first loved us. He has first loved us. And we have experienced that love. And because of that, we love. Because of that, we love. Because of that, we can love. If you have experienced the love of God. The Gospel of Luke talks about a banquet that Jesus attended. The host was Simon. So Jesus went to Simon's house for dinner. But there was no customary welcome. There was not, no kiss on the cheek. There was no hugging. There was no washing of the dirt-filled feet of the guests. And as they were reclined for dinner, there was somebody that came in. Somebody whom everybody in the room knew. She was a woman, most likely a prostitute. She came in undeterred and she went straight in the direction of Jesus Christ. She bent down Touched the feet of Jesus. There was no water. Her tears will do. No towel. But her hair will do. She brought the alabaster box. Began to wash the feet of Jesus. Simon's love was a stingy kind of love. Invited Jesus, but never even showed that kind of hospitality. 
very calculative. But this woman's love was very extravagant. Very extravagant. Very risky. What makes the difference? Jesus explained, Simon, I came into your house. You did not do anything to me. But this woman, she has not stopped showing her love. And Jesus added, and this is the key, he who has been forgiven little will love little. But he who has been forgiven much will love much. And this woman, whose sins are many, whose sins are many and have been forgiven much, she loves extravagantly. She loves much. Friends, we can only show that love to the extent that we have received and experienced the love of God. The more that you have experienced the love of God, the more that it will come out in your life. It will be expressed in your life. If like Simon, you have experienced very little of the love of God, it does not show. So the key is to experience God's love. The secret to loving others is to know, first of all, that you are loved, you accept God's love first, and then only can you show and share that kind of a love. And we experience it and we keep on knowing the love of God to grow in that love. That's what I said about John. John was not an, an apostle of love right from the very beginning. Oh, he has to learn how to love as he grow in intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. He began to discover and, and grow in that kind of a love. At the end of his life, you find that, hey, he has forgotten about anger. He has forgotten about jealousy. He has forgotten about envy. He has forgotten about who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. All he knows is love. My little children, love one another. So knowing God's love is the believer's key to a well-balanced, satisfying life of love, peace, productivity, and power. Experience that love for yourself. Grow in that love. We do not automatically become so loving, loving everybody in the world. No, it's against human nature to love. But once you have experienced the love of God and let, him, let His love flow through you, you will discover that no force on the planet of Earth, on the planet of Earth is greater than the power of God's love. The way that He loves. As I have loved you, Jesus says. And how has Jesus loved us? How can we learn to love like Jesus? You see, in the Greek, there are four loves. In the English, love is love. You can say one moment, I love my wife. Another moment, you can say, I love golf. But two, these are different things. But in the Greek, it's very well defined. Very well defined. When you use certain kind of Greek word for love, they know what it means. The first word for love is eros. And that is passionate love. It is physical, it is sensual, it is romantic, and it is sexual. It has to do with the physical, eros. The word eros is never found in the New Testament. The idea is there, but it's never used in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you find a very beautiful portrait of Eros in the Song of Solomon. Those of you who have read Song of Solomon, you, you find, wow, it sounds very erotic. All right? There are a lot of sensual things inside, very descriptive. And it's, it's a beautiful portrait. Now, Eros is not necessarily bad. You know, although it's a, lot, a lot of it has to do with sensual and sexual, it's not necessarily bad. Otherwise, we will not have babies in the world already if there's no eros. All right? And eros is the only kind of love 
that is restricted to one man, one woman. One man, one woman. It can be expressed only in that kind of a relationship in the Bible. Filio is a friendship love. It's a love that exists between friends. Friends uh, who are mutually, uh, who share the mutual interest, perhaps, or same kind of personality. You find that some, but sometimes ladies meet ladies, men meet men, and, and, and vice versa, and they, and they just click. Somehow they just click, and they like to do things together. They enjoy being in each other's presence and, and doing all those things. Those are filial love, all right? Friendship kind of a love. And, and, and it's very important for us to, to have that as well between friends. And then there is a storge. Storge is an affectionate love. And it's a family kind of a love. Love of parents towards their children and children uh, to their parents and all that. So it's a, it's a family love. And although it's very important, it is used only once in the, in the New Testament in the, in the book of Timothy. But it's very, very important for family to share that kind of a storge love. So in the Greek, you find that they use the word eros, filio, and storge during the Roman Empire time in the first century. But there is a fourth kind of a love in the Greek language that is called agape. Now, agape is a selfless kind of a love. It is unconditional love. And it is the most common word that is used in the Bible, in the New Testament. The others are less frequent, but the most common usage of the word love is from the word agape. But when you look into the uh, Greek writings, you know, in the first century Greek literature, they hardly use the word agape. They use all the other three, but hardly agape. But it is a, so, so in other words, it is a Christian concept. Agape is very unique. In the Greek community in those days. And it is the Christians that bring in the understanding of what agape love. It is selfless love, unconditional. The other, you find that there is a self-interest there. Filial love is because, well, you know, I'm happy all right, when I'm with you. Or, or when we do things together. And uh, this kind of friendship brings me happiness. Okay, you know, it's still to do with self. But agape is selfless. It's totally about the other person. It is unconditional. And it is God's kind of love. Agape. Very powerful. What is agape love? It is unconditional, unchangeable, unfeeling, unending, unselfish, unfathomable, incomparable, influential, Caring and rewarding, perfect and holy. Wow. That is God's kind of love. Shown towards each one of us, no matter who we are, what we have done, that's God's kind of love. Now, how many of you can love one another with this kind of love? Hmm. I will be the first to admit I feel in this area. I feel. So how then can we obey the commandment of Jesus Christ when he said, love one another. And the word love is agape love. That's the only love that he recognized. Now, having said that, all the other three loves are important, right? And it's still important. You know, we don't want to downplay all of the rest. But the highest form is that of agape. You have to understand that agape love is super natural. Everybody say it's supernatural. It is supernatural. It's not natural. Alright? God is not asking us to do something that we can easily manufacture out of our emotion. No, it is impossible. As somebody have said, it is natural to love them that love us, but it is supernatural to love them that hate us. Corrie Ten Boom was a Jew and a follower of Jesus Christ. She was imprisoned in a Nazi prison camp during the Second World War. Went through tremendous hard times, horrendous. But then she was released and she wrote a 
boots on her experience and she went around preaching the gospel. So in 1947, she, went, uh, she left Holland to preach in the churches in Germany. So one time she was preaching in, in a church in Munich and uh, she shared about the love of God. She shared about you know, the forgiveness of God and she shared about how when God loves us and forgives us of our sins, He takes our sin and He throws them into the sea and He puts up a signboard there that says, no fishing allowed. That's how God deals with our sin. Cast into the ocean, you don't have to fish there anymore. You cannot fish there and think about your sin anymore. It's forgiven, forgotten. But as she was preaching, at the back she saw one man whom she recognized as one of the former prison guard. So after the service, you know, this man, you know, just everybody was leaving quietly, but this man came forward towards her. And this man greeted Corey and says, a fine message, Fraulein. It is good to know that when God forgives our sins, He casts them into the bottom of the sea. And with that, He stretched out His hand towards Corey and says, you mentioned about Ravensbrook in your message. I was a former guard there. I was a former prison guard there. And I've done very cruel things to the prisoners. But I have become a Christian and I know that God has forgiven me. With his stretch out hand, he asked, Corey, will you forgive me? But Corey was already frozen where she was. Her hand was in the pocket and it felt like lead. She couldn't even get it out of the pocket. Before her were the images of the guards and she was walking naked around the prison camp in the cold amidst the laughter of the prison guard who saw all the women, who forced all the women to walk around naked. And the sister, her sister, weak and frail, was walking in front of her. And her sister died in the prison camp. And now here was this prison guard responsible for the cruelest act that she has ever known right before her with a stretch out arm. It was only a few seconds, but she said she felt like it was hours and she couldn't lift up her arm. And finally, she prayed a prayer to Jesus. Say, Lord, I can't do it. Help me. The least I can do is just take out my hand and the feeling will come. And that's what she did. She just slowly managed to take out her hand and stretch it out to hold the hand of this former prison guard. And she says, the moment she did that, an incredible thing happened. She felt like a surge of electricity went through her, through her shoulder, right into the arm. I know that, 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 that she was stretching out to join arm with that man. And the moment she did that, she says she felt the warmth of God's healing touch upon her. Tears rolled down her eyes. She held the hand of that man and she says, I forgive you, my brother. I forgive you wholeheartedly. It wasn't Corrie ten Boom. It wasn't natural. It was a supernatural love. And God knows that many times we cannot love by ourselves. It has to be that agape love of God. To love somebody who has done such evil to you. Impossible, not natural but it was the agape love of God. Love one another. It sounds crazy, isn't it? God asking us to do something that is humanly impossible. But the key is that you have experienced the love of God and the love of God will continue to flow, grow and flow through you. It is beyond human ability. God knows it. 
That's why he gave us his love. Agape, love. This love is what Jesus lived out. This love is what Jesus says, as I have loved you. This love is what Jesus commanded. And this love is the mark of a disciple. But this love is also a very active kind of love. Love is action. 1 John 3, 1. We must show love through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. Not through empty words, it's through action. For Cory Ten Boom, it was that stretch out hand and she found it so difficult to shake that man's hand. But the moment she did it, wow, something happened. Something happened. So love is action. Love is a verb. In the New Testament, love is used as a noun 110 times, but it is used more often as a verb. It is not a static, passive, inactive kind of a noun, but rather it is an active verb. So love in a sense is choice and action. In the New Living Translation, for example, in Deuteronomy 30 verse 20, choose to love the Lord your God. It is a choice. And that's where we got stuck. We think that love is a feeling. What is love? Love is that feeling that you get when you meet the right man, the right woman. The feeling that you get. That's how we define love, isn't it? So no feeling, no love. No. Love is an action. It is a choice. A choice that we make. Choose to, live the, to love the Lord your God. And then after that, an action. Commit yourself to Him. Choice and action. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, oh, sorry, in, in, in the Hebrew, uh, word for love is uh, ahab, you know, found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse uh, 5. Very important for the Jews, all right, to love the Lord. But that love there is actually not so much a feeling, it is an act of the mind and will a determination on your part. It may include strong emotion and feeling, but the distinguishing mark of that kind of love is dedication and commitment of choices. It is the equivalent of the Greek word agape. And agape there, just like the Hebrew word I have, love is actually you know, the verb for intelligent, purposeful, committed love that is an act of the will. It is your will. It is not your feeling alone. Feeling is not the deciding vote. It's the action. It's the choice that you make that is the deciding vote. Not feelings. Feelings come and go, right? Feelings. How many you see? Uh, you all know what I'm talking about. Just one word only. The way I say it, you already know what it is. Feelings. Nothing more than Feelings. <laughs> and you cannot command feelings, but you can command action. So love is commanded because it's going to be an action. And you choose it. You choose to love or not to love. And so Jesus said, all right, quoting from the Old Testament, you shall love the Lord your God. How? Heart, soul, and mind. You can lump all of these things together, heart, soul, and mind, comprehensively as if it is one thing, but it's not. You know, in the Greek, it is separated. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then repeated, with all your soul, and then repeated, with all your mind. Almost like these are three different categories. You can dissect each one of them. Your heart, your soul, your mind, each one of these. So agape is less a feeling of the heart and more of a feeling of the mind. It is more of an act of the will as it is and much more than an act of the emotions. It is a choice that we make. So we choose to love. Jesus says, love one another. 
a choice that you make. It's not feel love for one another. Feeling may or may not be there. But it is a choice that we make. And then the moment you make the choice, the action follow. Choice that we make and action that follow. And once the action is there, then it affects the feelings. The feelings may, may not come, but usually it will come later. So a choice and action and feelings. That should be the order of the day. There was one woman who came to a pastor and columnist and counselor, George Crane. There was this wife who was very, very angry with her husband. And she wanted to cut off all relationship. But before she does that, she says, I won. I want to get even with him. I want to get rid of everything that he has. I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. And then only I will divorce him. I want to get even. So the pastor came up with an ingenious plan. You want to do that? Okay. Let me tell you how we can do that. He says, when you go home, from now onwards, and for the next two or three months, this is what you should do. You should act as if you love him. Say nice things to him, do good things to him, pamper him whatever he wants, and just tell him how much you love him and that you cannot live without him. Be generous towards him, help him in every area. Make him believe that you really, really, really love him. And then the moment he believed that, I tell you what, you drop him like a bomb. Then that will really hurt him. And the woman thought, oh yeah, that's a great idea. That's the way to get revenge on your man. So she went home, she started doing that. Love him, pamper him, do everything, do, you know, so loving towards him. And after about three months, the pastor counselor has not heard from this woman, so the pastor called him and said, it's been about three months now and uh, you were talking about divorce, so now do, uh, can, do we want to, uh, can we go ahead with the divorce? And the woman says, divorce? What divorce? No way, I love this man. I really love him. And so the divorce never happened. The marriage was safe. Why? Because she acted out first. And then later, hey, she discovered she really loved the person. The feelings come later on. I wish that all of us who have problems in marriages will have this Cinderella kind of a story. Some of us, we know it's not so easy. There are other issues. But hey, at least give it a try. At least give it a try. Too many times you are dependent on the feelings. But if you start acting out that love, you'll find that, hey, amazing things begin to happen in your emotions and feelings. Choose love. Choose love. You love it, you show it. And do something. Love is an action. It is not just words. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth with love, yes, but it must be with deeds. Galatians 5.13, true love, serve one another. And our attitudes as well, to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to be kind with each other. Love is doing what is best for another, no matter what it costs. So the Bible says, love one another. The word one another is found so many times in the Bible. It's, it's all over. But every time you read these one another passages, for example, Ephesians 4, 11 to uh, 31 to 32, be kind to one another. That's love. Love is kindness in action. So how are you being kind to one another? another? Have you been kind to one another? How is kindness acted out? 
It may be opening the door for your beloved wife. That's kindness. When you go back home this Chinese New Year, it may be washing up the plates. That's kindness. It may be just listening to the stories and the miseries of others. That's kindness. That's love being acted out. And so when it talks about First Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is patient. Act it out. How do you show patience? On the road towards a child that constantly cannot get what you are trying to say? Love is kind. Love is self-control. It's all action. It's all verb. Live it out. Ask the Lord to help us even in this area. A new command I give you. Love one another. Love is to be acted out. Sometimes we think love is to be acted out in one act. One big sacrificial act, that's it. But no, love. Agape love is more, it's not just giving 1,000 ringgit and forget it already. It's more of God telling you, you go to the bank, you change a 1,000 ringgit into $1 notes. 1,000 $1 notes. And then after that, you give out $1 at a time. One act of kindness, one dollar at a time. One word of encouragement to the one that you love. It's not just once and for all, but it's a continuous thing, acting, giving out. And we thank God for many here in our church who have demonstrated that kind of agape love. I'm so proud, I'm so glad for the demonstration of this love. This morning I was with Sister Helena in the wheelchair. And there was Simon behind that wheelchair. Simon is one who has really demonstrated that kind of agape love. We have Pastor Mary here, taking care of the senior adults. Heritage home, elderly home. Who will have love for this kind of people? Who will have patience for this kind of people? It's not a natural love. It's the agape love of God. And I can go down the list you know, of each one of us. Thank God. For the love of God. Jesus says, love one another. Jesus asks us to love one another. Shall we do that? Amen. Love one another. Let's pray.